The Clary Podcast is brought to you by uh, academiccomposition.com. Go there if you don't want to write your liberal arts papers. Because why would you? Nobody wants to. Even the liberal arts majors don't want to write their papers. They just want to graduate with their degree and then think that they're going to be lucky and score a six-figure government job. But that's not going to happen to them either. Anyway, go to academiccomposition.com and have Alex and his crack team of writing staff write your papers for you. If you want to become a writer, contact Alex as well. He pays by the page at a fair market wage. And he also has marketing positions. We just post ads up on Craigslist. Both jobs are incredibly boring. Both jobs are not going to be rewarding. Both jobs are rewarding only in the financial sense that they pay. And you could do them remotely, uh, even from a beach in Thailand. Uh, we have my Amazon affiliate program. If you shop online through Amazon, well, then why don't you go and give the captain some money? Does it cost you any more? So how, does that ha- how can I give the captain money? And it doesn't cost me any more. All you have to do is go to captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Look for the Amazon banner. It's to the right. It's in the right. Don't tell me it's not there. It's there. I just checked it. Click on that banner. Do all your shopping there. And I get a 6 to 7% commission and cut for sending the traffic to Amazon.com. Doesn't cost you a penny more. <clears throat> Rattlerstrap.com. Check out Rattlerstrap.com if you're looking for a durable belt made by an entrepreneur. Uh, made with power paracord. It's what uh, they use in uh, parachutes, the cord that attaches to parachutes. He he makes belts out of those. InvisibleHandFashion.com. Born out of frustration from the inability of idiotic co-workers and a large leftist shithole to understand basic logic, InvisibleHandFashion.com serves up cold hard facts in both snarky and subtle forms on books, not books, sorry, on clothes, shirts, uh, bags, coffee mugs, that type of thing. They're a merch account. And they have a lot of cool shirts with charts and data and economics. They will certainly start a conversation that's assuming people are smart enough to look at them long enough to figure out what the heck that shirt means. Steve Jerky. Go to Facebook.com slash Steve's Jerky. If you are interested in getting some jerky, it's better than the average jerky, a lot better. Um, he's no longer selling it by the gallon. He invested some better equipment, and he now sells it in five-ounce packs. They sell for $10 a piece, plus five bucks shipping. If you buy three or more, he will cover the shipping, that's facebook.com slash Steve's Jerky and businessbuyeradvantage.com. In order to get ahead and take advantage of tax laws and maximize your lifestyle, you need to be in business for yourself. It's faster, cheaper, easier, and less risky to buy an already successful business than it is to try and do a startup. Access tons of free information about how to go and buy and sell a business at businessbuyeradvantage.com. If you like what you see, you could go deeper by taking the Business Buyer Advantage online course. Use the discount code Clary to get a special price. Welcome to the Clary Podcast, a division of Aaron Clary, LLC, brought to you by AssholeConsulting.com, Aaron Clary, Chairman and CEO. And now, your host... Captain Capitalism himself, the world's only professional asshole, Aaron Clary. And we are now, live. Now we're live. Okay, let yeah. me explain the voice. Did you you ever tune in, you ever listen to any of the podcasts I do with uh, the great one in Fort Collins? I didn't hear those ones. You no. didn't hear? Okay, all right. Anyway, so... I, I will give you wisdom, you being rookie podcaster and I being old fart podcaster. Let me give you. 
Our time is very precious. Right. So what I found is that anytime I pull into um, Fort Collins and visit the Great One, he's got the thing set up, ready to go. And once I walk in there, he, he hits record. Because what we're going to do is we're going to chit-chat. And we're going to, oh, how was this, da-da-da, this, that. And then over the course of the weekend, you're saying, hey, we should do a podcast. Well, what should we do? And then you tell the exact same freaking <laughs> stories over again. So now, because I'm a smart economist, we can both double dip. See, you'll have one for the TJ Martinell show. I'll have one for the Clary podcast, even though it'll be the exact same. We upload it, and we save ourselves two hours easy. That's, that sounds good. That's that's what, so, uh, yeah, that was, and, and uh, you know how bad I look right now? You look like you've gotten a bit of sight. I feel a lot worse. <laughs> we can solve that. Oh, really? What do you, no, no booze, unfortunately. If you got coffee, I'll take it. All right, I'll sell some coffee. All right, that's good. What does that be now? We could... Oh, all right. Wait. We can do the podcast. I don't think people want to hear you making coffee. Yeah, that takes five seconds. So you ran into the rain I ran into when you were hiking. Uh, yeah, I was up the top of Icicle Ridge, which overlooks the town of Leavenworth, and I go up there often for exercise. And so when I was up there going up, I actually got up there really fast. I start, I had my backpack on, and I was almost broke a record. Really? Which is funny because before my fastest record was when I was just wearing basic shorts and, and a shirt, but I had my backpack on and I started running up it. Um, but it was sunny at the initial part, but then when I got up to the top, all these clouds started coming in from the mm -hmm. north and that's when I started catching the rain at the top and decided it was time to go down. Yeah, basically it's all the way from Boise to here with, with breaks is like eight hours and change. It's been racing rain clouds. <laughs> and I woke up early kind of like, oh, you know, I can relax, take a little, I'll gain an hour going from mountain to Pacific time. And what would happen is inevitably I would either come off a ridge, come off a plateau, and then I could see off in the distance rain clouds coming in from the south. And I'm like... You know, tell me, tell me the highway turns away from that. Tell me the highway so that I'd pull over to get gas. I'd look, I'm like, no, the highway turns right into that rain cloud. And so I'd have to race to like get ahead of it. And then, right. Um, it's sort of like that scene from the end of Terminator where she's driving out, except she's going in the direction of the clouds, the storm. The first coming. one? Or? Yeah. I remember the, the guy at the end says there's a storm coming and she goes, I know, then starts driving off directly into Linda it. Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was so long ago. When was it? 82, 83? 81? Uh, 80, no, it was 84. Oh, it was okay. around the same time as Red Dawn. But, yeah, I used to... I'm trying to think of when... Oh, there was one time I... So I drove from Seattle to Spokane in a day. The entire... It wasn't raining, necessarily, but the entire state, and I'm at least from Seattle to Spokane, mm -hmm. no joke, entire state was covered in fog. And it wasn't really? that fog that was just over... You know, you couldn't see the sky. The fog was so bad, I could barely see about 30 feet in front of me. That thick? Oh, it was the thickest I've, I've, I've ever seen. You, I drove through entire uh, parts of the state, never saw anything except um, the road in front of me. And then I just yeah. drove over there recently for work, and it was kind of amazing how much you miss when, when there's that. But I couldn't believe hundreds and hundreds of miles of just nothing but fog. So yeah. the state will occasionally get into that. Um, Though Seattle tends to get the worst of the the rain weather, yeah, no, that's that's why, and I was kind of hoping and banking on that, 
and I got screwed. Because um, <laughs> I was, which is funny, because the Tri Cities is known for in this area as well. The east, the central and eastern part of the state is known for its good weather. Right, like that's that's the one the quality. Sun. You know, because people live in Seattle, they get access to all the the stuff that's going on there. As far as I mean, for all the crap that I've given Seattle, I've also given it credit in the sense that there's a lot of interesting pubs, restaurants, places to visit. What it doesn't have is good weather, necessarily. Right. When it's good weather, it's good weather, but it's just not very predictable, and it can be very um, sporadic. Whereas you go here, and it's much more consistent, we have the actual four seasons. Right, right. And that's what I was kind of banking on, because um, in addition to outrunning rain clouds, it was, how cold can this mountain pass get? <laughs> and I, I drove through like three three quasi ranges if not two real ones and one kind of more of a plateau a high plains and and the sun was out and i'm like okay it's going to be warm and nope kept getting colder and colder and colder and then i dropped down into a base i'm like ah yeah 65 degrees all right and yakima and i thought that was because i've never been in that area before yeah so i'm like oh yakima i remember going through and it being 95 on highway, what is it, 90 or 94? Uh, 95, I believe. The interstate? I think so. I haven't been on it for oh. a while. Anyway, whatever whatever it is, I just remember it being super hot the last time I drove through. I'm like, oh, it'll finally be warm. Well, in Yakima, it's warm. And oh, yeah, you got to go up over this mountain range. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it dropped right back down to the 40s. And you get over, and then it's Cleellum. Yeah, Cleellum. Cleellum. <laughs> on the, in the interstate and then it went back down I'm like okay sure enough I pull in I look and it was it was like the final it was very much like a movie the, our hero <laughs> starts waking up a little trials and tribulation he couldn't find coffee conveniently and then he went to Walmart and there was a line and and oh there was a battle of going up over some of the mountain terrains over in Oregon and then the big one is I'm sitting in Cleellum getting gas and I'm looking, I'm like, God oh, darn I pull up the map, I look at the radar, and it was one of those things, like, I really wanted to get food, really wanted to right. sit down, just warm up. No choice. There was, like, this big-ass rain cloud coming in, and I had to, like, race it. And um, now it's beautiful and sunny here, but, yeah, just south of there. Um, yeah, it's funny, my uh, my uncle was up here um, from California, and he was helping me yeah, he do did, all that. Did. Yeah, we were doing all the renovation work in the house, and... Um, we were driving through Cleelum from Seattle, and he also, you know, he's like, how do you pronounce this name? <laughs> it's Cleelum, isn't it? Yeah, it's Cleelum. It's just, yeah. people have never seen it. It's sort of like, it's an easy way to tell if people are from the area or not, if they can pronounce Issaquah, Skykomish, Nahomish, Snoqualmie, Squim, Hoquiam, all these uh, different nope. in, Indian names. Yeah. yeah, and so people, uh, especially when you get... People from other states are calling you up, and they they can't pronounce the names right. But it's it's just it's just funny because you grow up in the area, and in this, uh, uh, you know, they don't have much uh, difficulty because that's just how you always you don't ever pronounce it um, phonetically. You just pronounce it the way you were taught because you learned how to say it before you actually learned how to write it. Well, that Cleelum, I remember. There's a ton. Like I, the first time I went through there, I was. Pulled over for whatever reason. I can't remember what compelled me to pull into the town, but I was looking like that. It looks like this great little town to get a cheap hotel and just get smashed in. Oh yeah, we, my brother and I <clears throat> went to one of the bars when we were. So w what we used to do is we would go out to the Forest Service roads around there with um, mm. uh, things that we do not own and the ATF and everybody else is not aware of, but we would um, possibly enjoy uh, uh, utilizing those in remote parts of uh, the forest land 
And then we would go back into town mm-hmm. after smoking a whole bunch of cigars. And then we'd go to some of the bars there. One of them was was trying to get rid of their uh, winter ale because it was passed in the spring. And they were giving away, you know, big glasses of it for two bucks. So, it, I mean, if you, here's, the, here's the thing. I can see this here's already. The here's the, okay. Oh, oh, it's, it's classic. It's just you go into these places where if you want to get good or cheap, good beer, you go right at the end, right between two different seasons. When people, when the bars and the restaurants are officially transitioning over right. from winter into spring, because that's when they want to get rid of all their winter ale. And they just, they are Oktoberfest ale. They want it gone. So they will sell it at whatever rate possible. And in fact, if you're on, if you're, Try to be a minimalist. Spend as little money as possible for beer. You go into a place and you say, "Is there any beer you're trying to get rid of?" Yeah. Because they will. Oh, they will usually in some places say, "Yes, I'm trying to get rid of our summer ale. It's going to be winter." Octoberfest. Octoberfest. Right. Yeah. And so they'll say. I remember one time I just sat at a uh, when I was here in town. Sat at a bar just drinking these uh, these glasses of uh, um, of beer that they were selling for like a dollar fifty or two bucks. You know. Hard to go wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Well, how much did you guys drink then? I mean, we still had to drive at some point, so oh, we had to go get food. You didn't get a hotel and just like no, 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 ladies or anything like that. No, what's funny though is you. Here's the here's where it fools you, Cleelum. Cleelum fools you because you go through this town, and you think, oh, this is a rural town. The people there are, um, you know, low uh, middle class, lower uh, working class people. And so the housing prices must be pretty good. No, what's happening in that town and in the towns adjacent like Roslyn is you have a lot of baby boomers and people with uh, extra disposable wealth. So they're buying up homes in Cleelum. Okay. So the prices... Kind of like cabins or something, the cabin up north well, what fishing. In or... Roslyn, what they're doing is they're turning them into bed and breakfasts or uh. Airbnb. And we're seeing this a lot in the central part of the state where the wealth from the... from the Seattle area is spilling over and they're buying up the houses there and then the Airbnb, um, they're not renting them out long term because it's much more lucrative to right, do right, sure, that kind of sure, stuff. Yeah. So but the problem is the people who live there, who work there, can't live there. Because um, they're priced out? Yeah, I know yeah. a guy who's a native Roslyn a guy, like a third generation uh, Roslyn resident, and he cannot find a place that's affordable to live for people who actually live there because... They're having. They're not competing with people who live in town. They're competing with people who live in Seattle right. or whatever is going on. And as, especially as I think a lot of baby boomers are retiring. I did a story for my work once that was uh, the city officials were talking about how a lot of baby boomers, when they retire, they're going to sell their houses in Seattle and then they're going to move over here. Mm-hmm. Just buying a house for cheap. Well, they're going to have a lot more money than somebody who's working here because the... Um, standard of cost of living cost of living is yeah yeah Yeah, like you know if you're making sixty thousand dollars a year here that's great that's huge it's huge but if you're making sixty thousand dollars a year seattle you're below the well below the median income level so that's what was kind of shocked me was just discovering how and this has happened in the last i'd say six to seven years back in two our market the housing market in this area bottomed out and when i say this area i mean the 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 washington seattle area Mm. i mean they bottomed out in 2012 and then it's just gone up from here and it's it's, rapidly so that's only six years no that's nuts what happened is everybody from new york and uh san francisco like the silicon valley and palo alto they had all this money but they wanted they they wanted to be able to get further. I mean, you have people in in Palo Alto who are living in trucks. 
because it's almost like got, South Dakota, yeah, or the you, North Dakota. Uh, yeah, you were talking about field. Yeah, you were talking about those one guys in Palo Alto who were making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. But then you, when you break down all the costs of living there, they're not making any more no, money. No, they're not making more than forty thousand if you were yeah. living in say Kansas. or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So they're yeah. like, we want to own a home and we don't want to be at that level. So they moved. Up, everybody started moving to Seattle, mm-hmm. um, and it's. It's been great for them, but for people who've been living there for, you know, or who just, it's all a matter of timing. And that's, um, but I think that that's what's kind of fooling people in Clellan. Now, if you go to other parts of the state, the the housing um, situation is different. My, I had a friend who lived in the Seattle area and he sold his house, this, this, it wasn't, it was a unique house and that made its uh, value less than what it could have been because mm-hmm. it was just, it was like a log cabin type thing. Right. He sold it and then went over and bought a house with cash, only with cash left over. Mm-hmm. A much bigger house over in the Tri-Cities where you were driving through um, this afternoon. What's the Tri-Cities? Yakima or something? Um, Tri-Cities is Richland, Pasco, and Prosser. Prosser? What did I? Is that all along 82? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Those things are all around <clears throat> okay. there. So the Tri-City, I mean... They're, they're not, they don't form a triangle. They're on a line. Just, it's just an... A way of describing three cities that are right next oh, to each okay. other that really are, you know. Okay. And they're all on the Yakima River or something. Yeah, they're or the Columbia River. Okay. Yeah, they're all in the same spot. Yeah. No, no I uh, learned a lot. I learned a lot about the geography. <laughs> yeah. And I learned why I've never been to Boise. Why I've never <laughs> been to Eastern Oregon. Because there's nothing there. No. There's nothing there. I thought there would be mountainous. I mean, there's some rolling hills and kind of mountains. I mean, there's total deserts in parts of, of what eastern Washington, driving through, um, or at least I wouldn't say desert, but more of just there's no houses in that part of the state. Um, and then there's parts of Washington that I've never, most people never go to. It's the far eastern, southeastern part of the state that's below Spokane mm-hmm. and outside of Pullman. Um, and the only reason Pullman's really known is because that's where um, Washington State University is. And Walla Walla, is that out there? Walla Walla is down south. It's well known, I think, because its name. People just like yeah. the name. Well, Daffy Duck mentioned it in Bugs yeah. Bunny. Yeah, that's why they Daffy mentioned it. Daffy Vacuum Company, Walla Walla, Washington. <laughs> yeah, they love saying that. And then uh, it's also a big wine, wine area, oh. too. I did see the wine. I saw tons of wine. Shoot, Derek. It, this is unseasonably cold, right? Here, um, it it really depends. Sometimes, at least here, I haven't been here during this part of the year, but it's not usual for it to rain like this. Okay. Um, but I wouldn't say. I don't know. I'm kind of used to the Seattle weather, so if it's reasonably warm but not terribly hot. Well, I was I was wondering more just in this the general meaning, Oregon, Idaho, and all that because I do know. See, I was supposed to go to, um, what's it called, Salem first. Oh, okay. And then I was going to, you were going to be the last, and by the way, thank you very much for adjusting your schedule, because then you'd be like the last stop, and then I was going to shoot out on the interstate and go to Wyoming, Montana, and all that. Well, going to Salem, <clears throat> not only was it raining, but I forgot the, the mountains, it gets colder the higher up you go. They were expecting snow in some of the passes. <laughs> and I'm like, well, bullshit, I'm not doing this. And so that's why I ended up going to Boise, because I wanted to see Boise. Have you yeah. been to Boise? I've never been. There's parts of Idaho I've never been to. For the mo- I'd say most of it. I've only, like camping, or we yeah. went on family vacation somewhere. Let me tell you about Boise. Don't go. 
Just no reason to. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because a lot of people are telling me that boys that Idaho is being um, the Californication of Idaho is underway, and also the Californication of Montana is underway. Really? Yeah. There's parts of the states where they're getting all the influx from all those people who are scrambling to get out of California. Well, they're heading up to Idaho and they're heading up to Montana, and um, people there are not uh, terribly thrilled. Right. No, I'd imagine not. I, I don't know. Maybe not Bo- Boise. Uh, definitely not Boise. Oh, I was just, I mean, it's not that bad, but I was just like, because I wanted to see it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've never been to Boise. I said, that was that was not worth it. That was yeah. not worth the trip. Uh, but I could see something like in the, was it Sagetooth or Sawtooth Mountains? Uh, I can see parts of Montana people moving to, but man, that southern half of Idaho and Boise itself is just one place that is actually beautiful in Idaho is um, Coeur d'Alene. Been there, yeah, very that's, nice. That's, yeah, Wallace Coeur d'Alene. Yeah, and very nice. Ever tell you my um, hippie with a staph infection story? I don't believe you have. I'm a little hesitant. Oh, let me teach you. Let me regale you with a tale. I was coming back from Alaska. And what is it? There's Coeur d'Alene. There's a bunch of... There's Silverton. What's the other... The Keystone? Is that a town along the interstate? Yeah, yeah. There's Keystone. <laughs> I'll have to tell a quick joke on that. Keystone, we... So my fraternity had a Keystone conference, which is where I think... Oh, maybe it wasn't that place, but um, there's a Keystone beer. Okay. So the joke was, you know, you have Keystone at Keystone conferences or whatever. But I think, because we did some of our stuff in Idaho, but I don't think we actually went that far. Hang on. Let me get the, let me get the yeah, name right here. Because it, <laughs> I should know this, um, but I was coming back from Alaska and I had, what, where did I come from? Revelstoke. So it was a long drive. I dropped in north of Spokane, cut over. Hang on. Let me... I don't even have internet here. Never mind. Whatever. There's some <laughs> town on the interstate. You go past Coeur d'Alene. I think it's before Wallace. Main drag up there. And that's where I got my hotel. And so I had just toured the town a little bit at night and kind of grabbed some Chinese food. And um, <laughs> there was a bar right across from my hotel. I'm like, okay, I'll walk into the bar. And it's like a slice of Seattle decided to bivouac there. <laughs> And so you got all these like hipsters and they're playing um, grunge music and all that. And I'm like, this is kind of odd because it's a small, you know, it's just an old retirement town, I guess. So I go up to a bar and I don't realize I sit next to this girl and I didn't realize by look, she's got this split infected lip right there. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, good Lord, did you get in a fight? She's like, oh, no, I... I just made out with a dirty hippie. I'm like, you you made out with a dirty... What? She's like, yeah, it's a staph infection. I'm like, oh! And she's like, oh no, it's all right, man. You're perfectly all right. I'm like, you're just going to err on the side of caution and sit a little further away and just... So that was my... um, That was my story of Keystone or wherever that town is. Um, But yeah, no, that's a beautiful... That stretch, the Wallace, um, Silverton... But what is it with... I, I get... Because I'm seeing this everywhere else where you have, you know, old-fashioned dirt bars or, or dive bars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, places where you go play pool for a buck and you get, you know, if you want. Um, you get a PBR just because, you you know, you're just wanting to hang out. Well, <clears throat> no. And then they're playing, you know, country, some sort of actual country, real country music. Mm-hmm. Well, no. Then some guy comes in, buys them out, plays Rastafarian Bob Marley music. 
and charges five bucks for the pool, and they everything's done in an ironic manner. Where is this? Just everywhere you go now. Here? You yeah, you cannot go to, you know, when I want to go, it just seems like everywhere I go now, um, it, they're playing Rastafarian music pretty much everywhere I go. It doesn't matter what venue. And then they're not only, they're, they're, and if they're playing any kind of old fashioned, like one time I, there's a, they, some of the places play Pandora radio and they'll do um, some old kind of 30s music like Benny Goodman, Duke yeah, Ellington, stuff like that. But they yeah, do it okay. with like this, they, they uh, make it 1.5. One and a half times speed, and then they add like a background techno. Oh, thing. okay. They're not they're not playing the actual yeah, jazz. They, yeah, okay. yeah. I got so frustrated. I almost wanted to start playing my phone because I have some some of uh, Benny Goodman's old radio stuff. And uh, but yeah, just everything's done in an ironic, or they got to just change it. Um, nothing's really it doesn't seem organic anymore. Well, where, that takes talent. That takes yeah, effort to yeah. come up with something new. Why yeah. not just? I haven't ran into that, but keep in mind, I've been driving through the middle of nowhere. Um, if oh. anything, I, I did come across classical old bars. Wish I was drinking again because it's like the perfect place to just sit and chill and get hammered. Yeah, there was this diner. I was out uh, doing a, uh, an assignment near this place called Nashes, which is near Yakima. And there's this old diner. It's like a 50s diner. Wait, is this spelled Natchez? Nash, yeah, Natchez. Natchez, okay. yeah. All right, yeah. yeah, right, yeah. I saw so I go, on the, I go into this place, and it's got traditional classic Ameri- like American movie posters, Casablanca, uh, Rio Bravo, John Wayne stuff, and they got all like the. You got your hopes up, didn't you? What? No, you just. This just sounds like your place, and like you're getting excited, and now I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop or someone to come along. No, 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 no. But it was great. It was one of those traditional. But it was just out in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and I don't want to say in the middle of nowhere, but it's just it's off the beaten path, um, and so you have to go out of your way to go to these places because it's. But it's it's a place for locals, and you know this. Uh, I think it was was it Goldman um, on Twitter who was talking about the great. American Diners. Or oh, whatever. Goldman Unleashed. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, talking okay, about the great. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of when I, when I saw his tweet. I was thinking, yeah, that's you go in. The waitress is this really sweet, you know, almost treats you almost like has a, a southern drawl, no matter oh, no, where she's from. No joke. I went to one of the diners and she said, "Do you want some taters?" Yeah, with your. Yeah, it's like yeah, call you yeah. darling or show. Oh yeah, or whatever. yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, you're having kind of a, a good conversation with the waitress or whatever, and the guy in the back um, uh, who's cooking or whatever is, you know. Uh, having a conversation as well they're, mm-hmm. they're just they're really friendly and, and and whatever but they've also they were playing actual traditional music from that time period unironically right and there's a, there's another place around here that also that does that but it's it's frustrating um to see how everything's becoming very hipster as i've said before the hipsters are ruining everything they even ruined 30s clothes and beards they bat, yeah, they have. They have. No, I was going to say that, you're, well, I think it's the bars, I think, are, are being locally warped just like your housing market due to Seattle. Because I haven't seen that much. But yeah, na- on a nationwide schedule, uh, uh, scale, beards, th- yeah, that's been ruined. Um, and then also, yeah, the, the oh, 30s flannel. fashion. They're trying to ruin flannel. flannel. Well, no, my generation ruined flannel. Come on, give us credit on that. We were like all grungy and. Kurt Cocaine over there, a couple blocks <laughs> over down the hill, and no, dude, no, dude, it's it's no, it's it's peak hipster when you see a guy from Seattle wearing a red and black flannel shirt mm-hmm. with that perfectly trimmed, like it would have been a Duck Dynasty beard, but he shaved it perfectly, right, perfectly and symmetrical, got, and he's and got a, and he's got a PBR. And, and a granola bar. Right. And he's going to go on a hike. He puts product in his beard. That's how <laughs> bad. That's pinnacle hipsterism. 
when it has a sheen. <laughs> yeah, and when it uh, when it looks well groomed. Right. right. I you know if you're gonna do that's the the problem with me because um, I grew out a beard earlier this year and I'm thinking. Now, thanks to the hipsters, I have to be conscientious about what I wear right. and what I do because I like the old stuff, but I like it unironically. Like, I wanted to wear... Um, authentically. Yeah, I wanted to wear it authentically, but now you, you got to think, okay, I have to go check to make sure the hipsters haven't ruined it, or I got to... It's almost like they're requiring me to stay up to date on stuff. Give, give, it, give it no more than two to three years and it'll be done. And I think what's going to happen is we... We've been picking on millennials for so long, but it's been so long. Yeah. These kids, kids aren't kids anymore. They're having kids themselves. They're, they're in, you're in your us. 30s. A lot of them are in their 30s. And now what's going to end up happening <clears throat> is media, marketers, corporations, advertisers, they're going to say, screw the millennials. Yeah. Because one, you guys don't spend that much money. Two, you don't have that much money to spend. They're going to go after Gen, Gen Z. And once the spotlight is off of uh, the 30-something the millennials... I think the hipsterism is going to go away and all the excitement will be focused on what the new and, you know, what is it, the 16 to 24 demographic is going to be. So give it two to three years and, and I think the salmon jeans will, although I did see salmon jeans. I was in Baker City, Oregon. I saw salmon jeans. I'm like, why why do I see salmon jeans here? And it's, uh, what's kind of interesting is, or not interesting, but frustrating is how it's ruined in a lot of ways, genuine culture um, in the Pacific Northwest. Because we do have a distinct culture um, that, regardless of your political views or your social views or whatever. Right, it's called staff infections on oh, so girls made out with hippies. That's <laughs> No, it's just there's just, certain, there's just certain cultural values that I think everybody who's um, from this area, and even, it's not even a political stuff. Um, an example of that is how um, they're trying to make it, I don't know, I, it, it's like back in the day, hiking used to be just for people who enjoyed hiking, who are who are gen, who are authentically into it as a, a recreation right. and pastime. Well, now you've got people who show up looking like they're about to line up for a Disneyland ride, you know, and the way they're dressed, they don't have any uh, mountain etiquette. They don't know, like their family is stretched across the hiking trail. Right. Um, they don't they make, come, maybe make it a mile up the hill itself. Oh, no joke. There was a place called uh, Mailbox Peak, and it was called Mailbox Peak. There's actually a mailbox at the top of the peak, mm -hmm. and it was it, the trail was so rough. It was like 5,000 feet of elevation gain, and it was where firefighters would go train. Um, you know, if you could carry up your stuff, you were in great shape. Mm -hmm. Well, people would try and hike up that, and they had to call the emergency people to come bring them <laughs> down somewhere. They, lit, they had at the trailhead a sign saying, this is not for, you know, like you, you. Need to be, yeah, it's, <laughs> you need to be in physically good condition to get up to the top of this place. And too many people have been having to be brought down by emergency right. uh, medical personnel. And so what they did is they carved out a new and easy trail to the top. Because back in the day when you said, I've climbed Mailbox Peak, it was a big deal. It was kind yeah. of like a... a, a Imagine, if you will, you know, the Eagle Scout rank. They've, they're going to dumb that down, water it down to where, you know, if you have a, like with a college degree, if you have a pulse and your brain isn't declared medically dead. And you gave them your money. And you and gave them your, your money. <laughs> and you gave them your money, you're going to get that rank. Well, the same thing with Mailbox Peak. They made it much easier to climb up. And I remember on one of the message boards for some, some hiking uh, group, this really cantankerous curmudgeon was just wrote this essay long rant, just like you know, back in the day, it was like a badge of honor and it was a sense of pride, and it was yeah. only the few and the proud who could do it. And now anybody and their aunt can go do it, and we're ruining this this area and we're making it easy for everybody, and it's that, that sort of thing. Um, 
is is the way it is. But also, I think everything's. I think part of hipster what I, frustrates me about hipsterdom is that they commercialize everything that's an organic. Um, you know, if people just enjoy doing something, then they it's got to be commercialized or packaged in some way. Sort of like how every single one of our holidays is now a, a car sale event. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you can, we just can't celebrate. You know, the one one of the ways to tell if it's an official American or uh, an actual holiday people celebrate is whether there's a clothing sale or a clearance sale or something like that. Um, it can't just be a day where we you know celebrate something um, rather than buy crap. But. But do you think because these hipsters have no soul, and I mean that not in a biblical or religious sense, but they have no core. Like, they ging- have, like gingers. Like gingers, <laughs> right, like gingers. <laughs> but since they have no anchor or originality or core or soul to themselves, it makes them transient. It makes them very transitory. Like they're not going to stay on something that long. Like the newest thing will come right. up. It, hey, it was organic. Then it was fair trade coffee. Then it's coffee stores. Now it's uh, brew pubs. And and then who knows what it's going to be. So I, I don't think they're going to be. Well, I think the problem with it is they take something that somebody enjoys or does or celebrates uh, with sincerity mm-hmm. and they turn it into a joke. They make it They make it ironic. They make it hard for people who are who are engaging in something I guess the only thing that they haven't ruined are classic cars. But okay, here's here's but they they make it a joke the only way they can and that is via their inferiority. For example, um, dressing like lumberjacks <laughs> is not being a lumberjack. Being a lumberjack is, you know, in the olden days when you had that kind of grooming and the beards, right. you were one badass mofo. Uh, climbing, what was it, Mailbox Peak. Yeah. No, they got to have their easy way out. Now you're talking about fixing up classic cars. What are they going to do? Leave the Pantina on and just like get it barely running? Well, right. That's or... the thing about hipsters is that they don't, it's, it, they can't touch stuff like classic cars or classic car shows because the guys there, and I, I used to live right next to um, the Triple X Route Beer and Esquad, which is the, I think, the only one of two left in the nation, but they had classic car shows every Sunday that would go across the street because uh, they were free um, to attend. And you meet the people there, and they're people who genuinely um, take either, either pride in their work that they've done because they've done it themselves. They didn't just mm-hmm. buy the car. They they refer Yeah, they have the mechanical yeah, ability mechanical to do it. Um, but they're also men who have, and, and women as well, there will be the occasional um, girl there who's... Um, into like motorcycles or whatever um but they're people who are being who have a uh, genuine affection for whatever time period it is or whatever cult art the, uh, an example of that is guys um <coughs> they did the military show uh there's like a military club so they show up with vehicles so there was these guys who showed up i swear i sh- I, I got there and it looked like a, a they were shooting a scene from band of brothers they were in their paratrooper uniforms right. they had the because the, they had a jeep um, the Chattanooga, uh, or something, they had some cool name for it printed on the side, but those guys all out, they had M1 Grands. They, I think were genuine M1 Grands. They had the, uh, uh, glove compartment out where they had lucky strikes, like okay. all this authentic stuff. They went all out. And when I was t- talking to them about that, all that stuff, it wasn't, you could tell that this is stuff that they actually cared about and they had done their research and it wasn't just some fad that they were going to. You know, drop in a couple right. of years when right. it changed over. There are people who are who are trying to celebrate that a, a, a piece of history 
um, you know, or like when you see a guy with Model T or I, I encountered guys, um, you know, who had Vietnam uh, era vehicles who had actually fought at Quezon or something like that. You know, this is something that's like part Quezon. Yeah, there was that a guy... Korea. No, no, no. That was Vietnam. That was a Quezon's Vietnam. Yeah, the siege. I talked to one of the guys I talked to there was was at Quezon, and so you know, he's got this whole story behind this vehicle that he has there and all the photos he has of of his time over there. But the problem also is you have to have skill, knowledge, and dedication, and that's not what hipsterdom is about. Hipsterdom right. is about finding something, just looking the part, kind of making a mockery of it, and then moving on. Right, and and that's what I'm saying. So, I don't. If you're merely patient, they'll move on. They'll go away and find <laughs> the new shiny trinket. Um, and then, if anything, to the authentic people. Well, here's a here's another example we could add to this. Uh, over in Minneapolis, a buddy of mine emails me. He's still single, so he's always going to single events. It's sad. No. Don't I, I'm I'm starting to change my opinion about being like you don't want to be single in your 40s if you're a guy or a girl because I'm like looking at what happens. I'm like Jesus Christ, you were a cool guy. What happened? <laughs> so he says, uh, Hey, there's this singles event at the Minneapolis Institute of Arts, which is an art museum, the real one, not the fake one. Like there's actual works of art in this thing. And so he says, um, it's it's a nerd uh, theme. It's oh, all God. nerd stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'm a nerd, and my buddy's a nerd, and you know that this would be interesting. There better be. There's probably some really smart people here, and I bet you there's going to be something really interesting going on. So I uh, I go there, and immediately I'm like, oh crap. And what it was, it it had become hipsterized. I didn't realize what I was trying to put my finger. I knew what was happening. Because they weren't real nerds. Everybody just put on thick rim glasses. They had a um, kind of like a science <laughs> fair. I don't know what what else. Not science fair. What do they call it? Uh, it was to display technology. Right. It, they, they got this whole room. And it was like, oh, yeah, the science fair. Let's just call it that. The science fair is there. I'm like, oh, so this is Minneapolis and St. Paul's best. You know, this. let's see some cool stuff. I went in there and there's virtual... Beer pong, oh god, that was it. Then there was Connect Four, but the guy would hit a button and go brant, and you had to switch colors. And I'm like, so is there? A, are you recording data? Is there is a psychological experiment? He's like, oh no, we're just throwing in another variable. I'm like, that when you hit the button, you got to switch colors. That's it. Then there was, uh, you could make. You would take pins and press an image on it. So I can tell you why it was this that way. Because it's not about whatever it is it's about. It's a pretext. Right. That's or, my whole point. These were hipsters. I guarantee you there maybe the average IQ in there was 105. Because then the gal came in. They, we, you could go on a nerd tour. And she was going to show you all the nerd... Uh, museum pieces. So I'm thinking, oh, this must have been a very brilliant man, or this piece of work must have been by a brilliant woman. And this gal had no idea what she was doing. She was not a nerd. She she would just grab random things and try to explain why it's nerdy. Like, see these, there's these big Buddhist monk statues. Oh, God. And she's like, well, see, they're nerdy because they really had to force themselves in discipline to get that physique. It's like, no, that's called athleticism. <laughs> Nerdy is a little bit different, and it was so painful that they were just merely trying to capitalize on nerdy geekery being cool. I just feel like the story you just told explains or demonstrates the total and utter confusion of our society and culture when it comes to these things. 
Like, when it comes to nerdy or well, intelligence or what? I mean, think of how how different. Uh, just let's go back, say eighty years, mm-hmm. and think about how you would. I mean, how much? How many people would be single at that age? Um, oh, very few, I'd imagine. I mean, we don't have to go down this 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 path necessarily um, because I think it's a lot of other people have brought it up. But I think one of them is the the reality is is back in the day, if you were single at forty, you pretty much had to go out of your way to avoid marriage because of all the institutions and everything that was structured in society was intended for you to get married at a, at a pretty young age, and, mm-hmm. and the marriage rates and the median age for marriage kind of reflects that. Whereas nowadays, you kind of have to go out of your way. You have to find at least after college, you have to, and we're seeing that with all the online dating that's going on, where people um, once they get past a certain age, it's they have no idea how to, you know, actually meet people, but also in a way that isn't awkward. Um, and I think that the problem is that this it's it's totally unprecedented in in at least in our history. Yeah, I, I would say a lot of that has to do with cell phone technology um, because the 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 kid generation. I mean, you're right at the cusp because you do remember the days of having to meet and ask a girl out before there was smartphones. I mean, even before internet or Instagram, I'd imagine. I mean, you had to go up and ask Susie Q on a date in person, right? And it was, I mean, I grew up in a more more traditional household in the sense that they really had like, and I don't want to, I just use it just so people understand what I'm talking about. I'm not saying literally the 1950s stuff, but it was... You know that kind of dating where you would go formally ask a girl out and you would go mm-hmm. on a date and all that stuff. Well, <clears throat> in high school it just got confusing because all these changes were going on and you couldn't keep up with um, if somebody else was from a completely different background as far as what their parents raised them on is is the way to ask out. But yeah, back in the day, if you wanted to girl ask a girl out, you met them in person and you, you went up to them and spoke to them, or you called them up on the phone right, and hoped to God right. that they didn't that they had DSL or their brother wasn't on the internet, <laughs> or the dad didn't pick up. Well, no, you had to. You would you would typically go over to their. I mean, you if they were in the neighborhood because you're you're not going to look up somebody online. They're going to be chances are if they go to your school, they live in the area. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, you would call them up and and they would talk, and then maybe you would show up to pick them up at the house. Um, you borrowed your parents' car, and then they'd show up, and then the, the, you'd be introduced to the parents so that they at least know who you are. Right, right. Um, but, I mean, but that's in high school. Now it gets later on. But it goes back to the issue of what do you – We never. I don't think there's ever been a time when there's been so many people at that age single and perhaps never been married. Dysfunctional even when it comes to dating. But I think it's part of it is they have no idea how they're supposed to behave because they're getting contradictory information. And also the people that they're dealing with may have completely di- different set of, of norms as far as this is normal behavior, this is not normal behavior. What, based on my consulting, now see, my, my buddy's a little bit of a statistical oddity in that group because he's 40 or 41. What I'm seeing with the young men that I have on the consulting company and this event and just keeping my eyes open and seeing what's written, I honestly think that women... Uh, young ladies are being programmed, conditioned to not even think about uh, marriage or dating, let alone in the long term. Um, it's something they kind of like, yeah, we'll do it. It's like a hobby, but it is right. definitely playing second fiddle to their career or something like that. So when I went to the, and I forgot, you almost didn't even, 
I forgot it was a singles event because it didn't feel like a singles event. You went there and people were there and they were kind of having fun. You walked around. But I didn't see people macking on one another. Um, people were pretty hideous looking, to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> just not good looking people. Um, but there was no... Now that you mentioned it, I didn't see... You know, you, you've you gone to a bar or a nightclub and the guys are talking to the girls. You could see a guy spewing game or whatever. There was none of that. And I we could certainly say that the men were maybe a little bit cowardly, but I got the distinct impression that here is something that's dedicated to be a singles group and the women did not seem to be doing anything that would have been receptive towards establishing a date, getting to right. know someone, getting a phone number or whatever else like that. And I think that's the larger, to answer your speculation or to throw a theory out there, I don't think women are interested in marriage. Uh, I mean, the, on, a, on a nominal level, they say, yeah, I'd like to get married and have kids, but I don't think it's kicked in. I don't think they, I think they are so, they so have their nose buried into the grind of school and career and work, they're forgetting that or maybe even are completely unaware that to find a husband, that's almost a part-time job unto itself. You got to date a lot of guys. You got to spend some time with each guy, and then when you get the guy that you think you got to go out with him, I just don't think they're they're. They I, think it's literally like you can go to the store and get a husband, which is funny because this is a, I have a relative that I've talked about this problem with, um, and what it is is, and I don't know remember what the right word was. But the internet, I think this really has happened thanks to the internet. People have the illusion of unlimited choices. So, mm-hmm. for example, when you go, let's imagine you go to the grocery store back in the day when there was only two different, different uh, salad dressing types. There was Thousand Island and Ranch. That was right. it. So you're like, okay, I, I like Ranch. I don't really like uh, Thousand Island. So you grab the Ranch dressing. Right. Well, now you go in and you've got seven different versions of ranch dressing. And so you spend all your time there. And I, I, this happens to me occasionally when I'll go to the grocery store and maybe there's a, there's a whole bunch of different beers or different wines that I want to get. There's just so many different choices for everything. Uh, you, you look and you're thinking, okay, well, which one do I pick? And I don't want to pick this one because what if I really want this one? It's the same thing with girls. And, and I, I mean, there may be guys who have the same problem as well. I, I can't. I certainly that. did when I was younger. I mean, it was... It was you had more choices. That's for certain. Yeah, and so people have this illusion that oh, if I wait, another guy, another better person. I think it makes people kind of neurotic, and it makes them. Um, it doesn't help that our society encourages people to be discontent with what they have because mm-hmm. that's part of the the commercialization and marketing is that in order to get somebody to buy something, you have to convince them that what they have is not good enough. Right. And I think that a healthy society would say, look, here's one. And on top of that, that essay that you just wrote about um, the expectations that women have today. Oh, that was a scary statistic. But it doesn't really necessarily surprise me because it reflects what I've observed Mm -hmm. just in in the world is that back in the day, um, and we've, this has been talked about before a lot of things that men used to do as husbands and fathers has been replaced with the, the government right um women don't need a man in the house to protect them they can call 911 they they have other people um as a scenario i once proposed to a girl i was talking to a girl imagine gar- like the the world was in total disarray um you know there was like a a, a societal breakdown you know what how much more would you need an actual man in your life and of course she replied a, a lot more because who's going to come and protect her when right. somebody shows up to her house to to steal all of her stuff and hurt her um but the other problem is is that um 
they can expect a lot of things that like through through one way or another like their job provides them with the security that uh, a husband once did right there's a price to... uh ceiling or floor i forget i gotta yeah the, the, price the, the standard the standards I, I wrote about this uh Quite some time ago during the Obama administration, how does a black man compete against Barack Obama? Yeah, you got to outcompete what Barack Obama is promising well, there was all that, the black there was, women. There was, that, <laughs> there was that great video you did of uh, response to Dennis Prager when you were talking about that. You were saying oh, that was a while ago. You were right? like, dude, we like these men, and it's this is what kind of frustrates me about the whole situation when when people talk about the the, the ghettos and the urban cities and all the young men who are in gangs i'm thinking yeah dude that's the logical choice you have given them hmm. by this policy and so if you want things to change you've got to give them some a better alternative and it, and if you're not willing to do that then or if you're not supportive of that then i don't really think your your complaints are invalid hmm. your your problems with them because you're only part of the problem but it's the same thing with young men if you if we were realistic and honest, like if everybody took a truth serum pill and then started saying, what does a man need to do in order to get a, 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 a marry a woman of, um, I'd say, sl slightly less, you know, SMV value, like where she's just a little bit, she's attractive and she's cute, but, you know, he's... You know, the, a I'd touch say, up, just a touch up, just a because, touch. So that right. way, that way, she can say that you know she looks up to him and, and, and married mm. well, and you know he's like. But what does he have to do? What 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 uh, things like as far as a job? Like just having a middle class job back in the day was sufficient. It, mm. If you just did what was expected of you, now you have to go above and beyond to get. You have to. Pay, it's almost like inflation. An inflation. You right. have to pay more for the same. Uh, for the same thing that you you were getting, well, but let me ask you this: about was it your you have a relative or a friend that was trying to find a guy or something like that? Or um, no, that we were just chatting about how um, the, the 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 seemingly unlimited choices that people think they have, and then when they get when they finally pick something, they immediately feel uh, regret or start wondering, did I did I really pick oh. the right one? It, it just causes a lot of doubt. I, I'm wondering if it's an arms race because. That certainly could be it. You could have unlimited choice. But based more and more what I see with girls, I just think they're not even in the market. I don't think they're aware how biology works. I don't think they're in tune. Like, they rarely oh, sit down and ask themselves, what do I want out of did life? Did you read that st the statistic on what they were? women were asked, what do you think your your prime fertility years are compared to what it actually is? Because it's like at 30... 90% of her the eggs are gone. Really? Like, by 30 oh, already? By 30. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um right. and it's like most of them thought it was like 35 is when it starts to go downhill. Oh. <laughs> 35? They, I I mean, we're talking so we're talking about Canada here. The can and I talked about this in my podcast about that one girl who froze her eggs at like 37. Yeah, and then they all died. They all died. Or yeah. The, the Canadian <laughs> government the health department put out a a very it was considered controversial but they were just saying in fact they go women have this in general have this view of their fertility that is completely and totally false and what's funny is everybody talks about sex education and and you know not and being pro science and all that okay great when did the girls ever get taught that their fertility has a limited time frame compared to men when you can be theoretically... Tony Randall. Yeah, you could be siren yeah. kids until... Yeah. yeah, and nobody wants to have that discussion because it just makes people 
I, I don't care. Obviously, I don't right, care you about people's you feelings care. or emotions. Yeah. I mean, it's it's what I what I am amazed at is you would think girls would remember. Although I I remember I didn't pay attention to health class because I didn't pay attention to school period. So I could imagine girls are like, yeah, whatever. And they probably didn't listen, but you I don't would think, they think were even that. the 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 concept of like tickety talk, tickety talk. I mean, it's not that it's not yeah, out there looked, in society. Yeah, Jennifer Aniston and girls like and women like her don't mm-hmm. help because they give this impression that you can wait forever. And you, you, you know, if you, but what they don't ever talk about is the number one question: How many plastic surgeries does that gal have? I don't totally. care. Oh, I'm I just, I'm care. just. Oh, no, 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 no. But here, but no, I know what you're but, saying. But my point is, saying, my point yeah. is, like, oh, well, Jennifer Aniston is forty something, and look how. Oh yeah, they'll pull the one girl like. Oh yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. but that's the problem with celebrities is is um, if they don't have any kind of grounding by their dads or by their moms, they look to celebrities for. Um, role models, and then they look at these these women who are statistical anomalies, but also have millions of dollars to spend on cosmetics to maintain this perception of eternal youth. Um, and then, of course, they get to be twenty nine and thirty, and suddenly they're not Jennifer Aniston. Um, yeah, and what's funny is I think everybody knows this because um, you know the the term spinster or um, you know crazy old cat lady still. It still stings. It still stings for them, but I, I honestly don't think they know why it stings. They just know you're using a pejorative in the context. So, I, I honestly... So we talked about this yeah. in your podcast, and I was theorizing that the same way we've had a housing bubble crash, and the same way we could have a debt bubble crash, and the same way we had the dot-com, do you think that we're going to have a situation where there's going to be... I don't... I'm. I'm a little hesitant to say how I feel about it now. I'm just saying it's a possibility that a new generation of girls come in, they want to get married because they just either they have to because the economy's down and they can't get those make work jobs like like their older sisters and sure. aunts. Yeah. And they decide to start marrying. Well, guess who they're going to go after? They're going to go after men who are in their 30s. Established. And guess who's also going to be competing with those 21-year-old girls for those 35-year-old men. 35-year-old women. Wait a minute. Right. And so it's going to cause this panic. I mean, we hear all this moaning about where have all the good men gone when it's only like 5% or 6% unmarried. Well, what happens when you reach 25% and you cause like this massive mm-hmm. societal cultural shift? But more importantly, it's a situation in which the men are suddenly find themselves in a situation where they get to pick and choose and be kind of greedy, where it's it's they get to... They, like we, we right now we're in a situation where the men have to low have had to lower their expectations constantly, mm-hmm. but they have to raise their own standards so high. We could see a reverse of that where they just have to say, "I've got a job, I have no criminal conviction, and all this stuff." It, now it, I ex- it, I expect um uh, what's the name of that one redhead uh, actress you were talking about, Sophia Sophia Loren? Yeah, she's not a redhead. Oh, whatever. I'm just saying, like, he's oh, saying... Oh, you mean the one hotter than Ingrid Bergman? Oh, God. <laughs> I know you're going to say... I mean, there's a lot of girls hotter than oh, Ingrid no. Bergman. This just happens to be one of them. But... You'll have to forgive Cappy. He's got he's got a lot of views right, but we, we've got stuff to work on. But no, um, I'm saying where, where an average guy can say, I'm holding out for her because I can afford to pick and choose at this point. In a certain scenario, that would happen simply based on the laws of economics where you'd have a, an imbalance between supply and demand. Um, the scenario you paint where, for whatever reason, a generation of younger gals 
have an epiphany, they wake up, there's a new trend, like, hey, it's a new hipster trend, get married. Uh, and then the market is flooded and girls all of a sudden start sniping off the guys who have more yeah. income and women traditionally did marry and date older. Uh, that's possible, but the only way I see that happening is it would require a huge external shock, very classically economics, where there'd be a huge recession. The government would have to stop paying for everything. The daddy right. government would have to go away. Hubby government would have to go away. Uh, there'd have to be an end to make work government jobs or nonprofit make work industry jobs yeah. for women. And I don't see that with this generation. I know a lot of people are kind of hopeful that Gen Z is going to be more conservative and traditional. Um, on my to-do list is to go and start doing some research on opinion polls and all that of, of Gen Z and see kind of where they're at. But based on the amount of indoctrination and brainwashing they've received, based off of the first Gen Zers coming online, they're coming out of high school right now, uh, I think it's just going to be Millennials version 2.0. I think the women are brainwashed and indoctrinated to get their worthless degrees, and they're doing that. I think they're brainwashed and indoctrinated to put their career first above everything else. And I don't think that, and it's not even brainwashing. They just haven't been given another alternative or idea. So I, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen in our lifetime. So there was an interesting discussion that was had about the difference between mentalities between different generations because they haven't gone, they've gone through different experiences. Right. So for baby boomers, and and one of, that was one of the theories for why there's been so much um, the the high suicide rate because of alcohol and uh, drug use among older um and divorce let's not forget that well right yeah, right I mean, but one of the things that, one of the theories was that these people have gone from where they were born at the eight, at the height of american prosperity they saw it and they've seen it be completely taken away and, and the same, they only themselves to blame that's what's great about it. they're the ones that well, and then you have generation z that also watched that and then now the people claim that the millennials have not really seen that. I, I disagree. I grew up in a very idyllic um, situation. I'm where, raid your fridge. Go on, keep going. Oh, I, just, I just grew up in a very idyllic um, uh, situation when I was a kid where I grew up on, literally grew up on Main Street. Um, we didn't worry about crime at all. And we, I, you know, we could go out and play in the parks. We weren't, just all the stuff that you think about now and worry about now. Yeah, the night you grew up in the nineties, right? Yeah, I grew up in yeah, the nineties. Yeah, and um, like Good the cartoons. Yeah, and like political correctness was just this weird, vague thing that you would hear about maybe at Harvard University. Um, we, we diversity was still a theory and all that. Other yeah, yeah. And, and all that. Um, and um, I don't know. Like the, the the I was I was chatting with my my dad about this, and I because I said as a kid I hardly remember any of the stuff like the outrage stuff that comes every single day and it's like 600 of them every single day and he goes yeah that would happen like once a month there'd be if one that, thing if, if that, that yeah. if that and so i guess for for older millennials it was definitely a different experience and that's where i think the internet really defines uh, like separated i don't i'm not a huge fan of the millennial generation uh, time length i think that if you were if you grew up and remember and lived a significant part of your life before the age of the internet, you are in a completely different generational set than a millennial who grew up with, with, the, with, inter with right. the internet. Yeah, um, but the theory that was is that that generation is much more positive because they've never known the good years. They've never known when it was, um, you know, what America was like before they were born. And so there's nothing giving them that depression. And I'm, I'm curious about, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I think that that's true to some extent, but I also think that 
part of the pessimist in me looks at some of the, the examples, the sampling of Generation Z, and I see them just being products of, um, especially with the men, where they've been taught to, to basically be the, the blue pill, um, you know, sensitive guys. Right. And, the, and like you were saying, the last thing on a girl's mind at age uh, 20 or 21 is getting married anywhere in the near future. Um, but again, I, I think that it would be good to go look at some of the data and see what um, what it says because that doesn't lie. I think that they're going to be different from my generation at least in some ways, but I don't know if it's going to be a good thing. As far as Millennial 2.0, um, I think there may be positive. They may be more... There may be, um, I'm trying to think of how to describe it because people were breaking down the, the 2016 presidential um, results mm. for Generation Z and showing how um, how different they let, they vote from other generations. But again, you're just thinking, how many of them are going to keep those views by the time they get to be older? Because one of the things that I, I have <coughs> observed is that the moment a woman gets married and has kids, her priorities, they, they tend to become more conservative and i use the term loosely because that right. doesn't mean anything yeah. anymore but they tend i think they move a little bit more right wing because they their interest is no longer in this vague they wake the fuck up <laughs> well wait a minute i got a kid hey well, when they, they suddenly realize hey, no when it involves their kid Suddenly, see that's what pisses me off though about that. These fucking Johnny come lately. <laughs> These oh feminists burn the bra, don't shave my armpit. Then they have a kid. Oh, now I gotta think about it. It's like, well, what? How were you voting the past like eighteen elections? Oh, now, now that your kids, are, yeah, screw other people, screw society, screw democracy. Now your kid needs good schools, and now you're gonna start voting Republican. I just, I, you're right, but it just, it's just. Well, you know what's funny off. is, is we went through, and I'm not saying this is the same thing. I think that the the changes demographically in the country are have have made not comparable with previous ones. But remember that show? What was it? Um, Family Ties, or the one with Michael J. Fox? Yeah. Really? yeah. So his parents were the the left wing hippies, hippies right. and he's the young conservative. I could see something like that being with Generation C, but not necessarily for the good, the right reasons. They may do it just because it's that's the like, to revolt you, against. If the you parents. think about it, the most rebellious thing for a twenty-year-old girl today to do is have long hair, wear a skirt, and get married. That's funny. That's true. It's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Now it's common I, coming to date the black guy to piss off your dad. It's like yeah, we were hoping you would. <laughs> well, no, it's it's. Uh, I remember when I was at the airport, um, I was going on a flight, and I saw this. She looked no older than twenty-one, and everybody was kind of giving her a weird look because she had a wedding ring on. She was married, and her husband was there with her, and they were like, they looked like they were 21 years old. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought, this is the new rebel. Like, the rebel back in the day was, you know, we're not getting married, we're going to have a... Tattoos. We're going to... Yeah, well, okay, that's another thing that's driving me nuts in this area. <laughs> the number of tattoos, I, I want to... Like, the authoritarian in me wants to shut down all tattoo shops. Let them, let them screw up their life. Stop worrying. Look, right above you it says enjoy the decline. Do you know what these people are doing for you? I said the authoritarian. Yeah, they're they're labeling. They're, they're, they're doing that, but do you know what? Majoring in stupid stuff, having kids out of wedlock, putting their career ahead of themselves, uh, insisting on living where tetanus-infected hippies are in Pioneer Square, paying over egregious rent. Do you know what they're doing for you? What? They are... Rehearsing for the world's greatest movie called 
I told you so. <laughs> and when you are my age, heck, even maybe a little bit earlier, but certainly when you're 50, you're going to get to watch their lives just fall apart and be destroyed. And they did it all for you. Now, you could go ahead and try and stop them and say, hey, you should get a tattoo. Hey, you should oh, I've, I've well, I've well learned, Pat, learned that you can't save, you can't, you can't fix stupid. Right. Um, but uh, it's almost, they're watching them, you know, pardon the expression, but watching them piss in their pool doesn't make mine cleaner. Meaning no. it, it doesn't help uh, the, the situation societally because a part of it is just aesthetics. Like I want to be surrounded by beautiful scenery. I want right. to be surrounded by beautiful architecture. True. And it's ruined when I see, and I think the worst is, you know, you, I go to a place and I see um, some cute girl who's 22 years old. She looks really, really pretty. And then she turns around and she's got a big fat tattoo on her yeah. neck. No, you're right. And, yeah. and you know that there's nothing, it's, it's almost like, um, you're, you're, you're running a race and you trip and fall at the very beginning. It's like you haven't even gotten out of the gate yet and you're... No, it's called, it's called negative externalities. That's what uh, the official economics term is. But um, <clears throat> it's something that doesn't have a, a, an explicit financial cost, but it's still... Like, for example, ugly architecture. Right. I mean, it's hideous. It lessens your standard of living. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of something else. Pollution. Less is your standard of living. But ugly people, yeah, I'm sick and tired of seeing fat women. I mean, now, I'm sure there's just as many fat guys, but I don't look at guys. I, I would like <laughs> to see a comely lady occasionally wearing a nice dress. Not slowly, and not, just and a, not wearing freaking yoga pants. Right. Like, I, that's another thing as an authoritarian I would ban is yoga pants. <laughs> no, seriously. I, I The Cromwellian, you know, uh, protector of the people. What was his title? Protector oh, of, of England or whatever. I just want to ban certain things. Tattoo shops, um, yoga uh, pants, yoga pants, and um, it's just one. I mean, we could get into this, but one, it's just a, it, it's an excuse. It's a way for people to avoid dressing well and right. dressing in a, a good way. Um, it's almost like somebody says, "Well, I didn't take the time to go to the weight room, so I'm gonna just wear yoga pants and hopefully look like I'm in shape." I was like, no, you're not in shape. Those yoga pants don't fit you. You're, it's not uh, appropriate to be wearing those out in public or wherever you go. And like, did skirts get banned? Like shadow banned? But it takes effort. <clears throat> and again, I I'll go back to my original point that I don't think women are cognizant of, well, I should look presentable. I should um, be not necessarily always on the lookout for a guy, but you never know. There might be a kid now. I'll dress up and uh, you know maybe catch the eye of some guy. Might ask me out in the in the produce aisle or whatever. Um, I I think they are so myopic and focused. It, well, and here's another thing, and guys, we could blame on this too. But when it comes to the gals, uh, girls do not have anywhere near the interest in sex that men do. They're not as interested in dating as men are, and I don't think they're as interested in marriage as much as men are. This generation, my generation, and younger. Yeah. Um, so I really think they're off in their own little land. And if you're not like, imagine if you were completely asexual, you don't care what the other sex thinks. You'd get fat. You wear sweatpants. You know, you do. And whereas men, I'd say a lot of that is laziness. Yeah, and look at men who you know say. Uh, uh, I've got a poster of Ernst Shackleton's crew from uh, 
South America or South, uh, South Antarctica. Antarctica, yeah. yeah. And um, a lot of the men there. It's funny, and I don't want this to sound like we're you know just bashing. Do you on have movies. heat or do you have the air conditioning on? Um, neither. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, th- those men were out there, chose to be out there in the middle of nowhere. They obviously, like, ro- I think even with Shackleton, he was uh, married, but, like, his focus was on exploring and being an adventure or whatever. And I've got one of the guys up there on, uh, uh, who was part of the crew. He-, he was from Ireland. But these men were not necessarily interested in romance and women as much as they were interested in adventure or whatever. But look at the type of, look at who, like, they're, they're at a point where, that's not their biggest thing, but that doesn't mean that they're physically unfit. They're at their right. peak. Like these are some of the mo- the toughest men. Uh, I would argue that the, the toughest crew ever, ever in history. Yeah. And um, uh, I remember reading about them in college, and just was amazed that that there was never really any problems that they ever had, uh, despite the fact that they were in a, a situation where they could have all died. And nobody died, mm. and yet, and and one of them. So they were. There was this. I have his book, and he said that the, like the lowest point, in the their situation. Um, he was asking the men how they all felt, and one of the guys said, "You know, I'm just glad to be away from the wiles of women." I mean, like he's just he's just glad to be away from that. And so I'm just like, that's I'm good. like, that's good. I'm like thinking this guy. So this guy joined on this expedition to get away from. And mind you, this is 1914, 1913. So when people will say, well, back in the good old days, well, you know, who knows? But um, my point is that these men were, I would say, less interested in um, romance and marriage and and women, but that didn't cause them to be less strong or courageous or all these right. things and the, the same thing i would say with women you don't have to be uh, the idea that everything you do should have to be in like when you do something well like when you dress well when you you know take care of your house when you stay in shape it shouldn't all be just to impress somebody of the opposite no, no, no it should be it should be for your own sake right all, all, I, all i'm trying to do is explain the phenomenon and we could, right, we, right. Could, we could and, and there has certainly been Cultural and societal decay since 1914 in both sexes. There's no doubt about that. Um, the the origins, though, or the um, genesis for that between men and women, I think, is different. W- with women, I think it is the conditioning they get in school and from the media where, I mean, it really is an afterthought. Marriage and children, you know, a husband, right. that really is an afterthought. With men, I, I don't know. I would say... Um, That's what's kind of interesting. Like I, you, I think, you mentioned well, that. Because well, I remember when I was in college, I was in college during, I would say, the height of the hookup culture before things got really, really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was this this thought for the men where they had been given this this romantic Disney, you're going to meet your, your one true... At college or something, right? Right, right. right. But stuff, the but. girls had been were learning all about feminist theory and all that stuff. Fish and, bicycle, yeah, fish bicycle stuff. And they're like, I, you know, they didn't want to get married until they were in their late twenties. And so what's funny is there's not a lot of effort to dissuade men from from wanting to get married because they kind of almost need that because if men aren't pushed towards marriage, they're going to go off and well, one, they're not going to work as hard. Um, to earn money, right? They're going to be doing off doing their own thing. They're not going to be preparing for the day that a woman wants to marry him. Right. Um, you know, when he's in his late twenties or whatever, and she's deciding that she's going to settle down. And so, 
I, that it's an interesting dichotomy where feminists I noticed, and this is where I started to see cracks in the matrix or see the code, was where feminists weren't really trying to dissuade men from wanting to get married. They were really just interested in trying to dissuade women from getting married because it's a it's a it's, it's a form of power when right. you are you saying you form a cartel, you form, form a, a cartel. group, yeah, a union. <clears throat> yeah, and so yeah. they weren't really big against men. And if and, and people who if you are curious to see that I, I would suggest you test it out and, and as a man you know tell people like somebody who describes himself as a feminist saying that you don't want to get married and you don't you're not interested in marriage and see how they respond oh then they're on you well then mm-hmm. yeah suddenly and what's funny is feminists never complain when uh, conservatives and trad cons are telling men to man up and get married there's oh, no, no they there, never no, no no yeah and, and, <laughs> and by the way these are the people who are saying it's about the equal treatment of men and women <laughs> so well i i Here's another variable, and I know this certainly affected me, but I, I know it certainly affected other people, and it's certainly a variable, and that is when you see your old man get divorced, you know, not once, but maybe twice or thrice, um, you kind of, I mean, that, that certainly, and you don't even have to have your old man. I mean, certainly in my generation, your parents could have been married just fine, but you knew your buddy Bob down the street and his folks got divorced, and then... Um, then all of a sudden you're, you're a, a late teen, early 20-something, and maybe a friend of yours got married, and he got divorced. Um, it's not – so so divorce is certainly something uh, that the tears boys. But then another thing is in, in the olden days, you know, I asked my mom and, and my grandma, I was like, did you ever stand guys up? They're like, no, we would never do that. I mean, it was – the treatment that men got in the olden days was a lot better than what they do now. There was less games. There was less. There was certainly no. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure some woman somewhere in the past had a temper tantrum. Right. But the treatment men you oh. see from my generation on has simply been unacceptable. It's it just was, been it was the totally opposite. <laughs> I was talking to a World War II vet. Um, I've talked to numerous World War women. Wars. They appreciated men. Whether they liked them or not, they right. would at least appreciate but, but, them. But here's the crazy thing, and I, I may just be – this may be – these guys I talked to may have been statistical anomalies, but I've interviewed or spoken to a lot of World War II vets. And one of the things I had to ask them is, you know, what was it What was it like dating back then? And it was the exact – it was – the men were the ones who were – and especially if you were in the military and you had a – and you were decent looking and right. you wore a uniform. Oh, yeah. You just killed it. You had women chasing after you. Uh, one guy was telling me how he had girlfriends stashed everywhere, and the girlfriends all, you know, kind of like knew that there were other girls around, and they were all competing for. But it was it was like a, a man's world where uh, the, the women were trying to convince the man that they were worth Settle down keeping with around. Me, right. And so the guy would kind of play games, but the girls, <laughs> but the girls almost like it was his. They they like he they weren't men weren't being I, I, i'm not trying to be idyllic or or try to remember even stuff. say that this is how it should, how be. It should be right, right. but like the women um i think also though the difference is that men there was no punishment for women chasing after the men men i don't think men do that or ever did that i i could be wrong but um the problem with today for a lot of men and people you know people wonder why they don't approach women as much is because there's a the Ooh, possibility nice. of uh, re- a rejection that is not um, uh, cordial, c- yeah, cordial civil. or civ- <clears throat> civil because the girl will think the man – like it's an insult to her. Like you were saying in your essay, they think 80% of men are below them. So the 
overwhelming amount of men who approach her who show interest in her, she finds it insulting that a guy so beneath her would would dare to think that he right. would ask her out. And it's really not that hard. All you have to say is, uh, I appreciate, you know, show respect to the fact that the guy had the balls to come up to you and talk to you and politely say, I'm not interested and leave it at that. Now, it's now on him. If he wants to throw a temper tantrum and get angry at the fact that he got rejected because he wasn't taught to have a spine, that's his problem. But that doesn't, that doesn't, um, I'll, excuse the lack of manners and that's another thing we see in our society is a total just chaos where people can behave however they want and there's no consequences there's no mechanisms to keep people in check there is really no policing um as far as bad behavior goes on and so i think that that's the other part of it is that um if if the worst thing the question that we really have to ask is what's the worst case scenario if you approach somebody you're interested in and now, what was the worst case scenario back in, you know, say, 60 years ago? Completely different. The, the, the potential cost, and all the other thing is there's no way to read um, people nowadays. You have no idea. Just because they're smiling right then, they may be completely psychotic. Oh, yeah. No. Um, and, you know. <clears throat> well, here's another thing to, to consider. If further deterring men from participating in dating... Um, let alone marriage, is there's certainly the rejection um, and uh, a lack of spine, lack of fathers to sustain rejection. Uh, but you want to talk about what's even more of a deterrence to marriage is when you actually go and date <laughs> and when you're actually successful. And then uh, I, I don't know if you ever read the 50-50-25 rule that I wrote. But, yeah, I read that one. Yeah, but I mean, here's you're already getting stood up 70% of the time. Completely unacceptable. 30% of the time you go out, now you're really in trouble because then the mind games begin. And it, my dating experience, this is going back over 20 years ago, my dating experiences were so unenjoyable, taxing, beleaguering, tiring. My drive today was much more pleasant <laughs> than my average. Because um, at least you know, at least I knew what was going on. Uh, that right there is enough to throw men into a like uh, Dr. Helen Smith's men, uh, marriage strike, or men just they say forget it. I'm going to go MGTOW. I'm going to go play my video games or whatever. Um, so I, I I can see where women are are conditioned to no longer want to seek out marriage or participate in dating. But men, I think once you get your hand on the stove a couple times, yeah. I think, or you go on a date and then you're just like, you know what, I'm not doing this, I'm, I'm dropping out. And that's what's happening, mean, heck, that happened to you. Um, I know another buddy of mine, he's like, yeah, I'm just taking a break, you know, and they're, they're kind of thrown in the towel, and I remember. Now, in, now, to be, I would say for me, though, I've always had a interest and in, in sort of back... I'm not quite sure what the word you would use to describe it, but I've always looked at the lone man in the movies or in the books that I read as a kid growing up. You know, Davy Crockett, Daniel mm-hmm. Boone, all these other guys, the frontiersmen, uh, guys like Ernst Shackleton. I've always idealized their lifestyle, where they're kind of they're they're not attached to anything, and they're they're free to go and come as they please. They're kind of I always saw that as freedom. So I was already on that side of the rope or side of the the fence anyways 
And so to have all the discouragement in society, just everything stacked against you. And on top of that, like we're just talking about dating. Then let's talk about marriage and all the complications oh, going into the that. the legal risk. Oh, yeah. No, it's... And, and, and all that. And so people are always wondering... And it, it, so the one thing that they always go against men is they say, well, you're going to end up alone. Well, for me, that when I hear that word, I always think it means I'm going to get a... I will get to get up in the morning and decide what I'm going to do right. and, and have freedom. And it's not... And as I've said before, it's not something I'm not willing to to give up. I'm certainly willing to give that stuff up if, if the right situation comes along. But that has to be, ex- somebody has to come to me and say, here's why, like, you have to convince me. I don't have to. They gotta be a better deal. They gotta offer you a right, better deal. Right, right. And right. that's what I think society does, has totally taken for granted is that they assume that men have a, a such a strong need that. Or that we have nothing else going on. Yeah, that they have nothing going. And that's what I, I always sort of confused me about the, I guess you would call it the the MGTOWs who are big on to playing video games, thinking there's so many other things to do than just go online and complain about women um, that are uh, or or complain about society and stuff like that. I'm too busy, you know, either writing books or out hiking, uh, doing photography. I've got a whole library full of stuff. I, I, I've never regretted sitting in in my living room listening to some good music and reading about. Uh, something about the history of the British Empire, reading Rudyard Kipling or Joseph Conrad or something like that. So there's all these things that men can do um, other than than complain about it. But again, I have to be somebody has to explain to me what like how the situation they're proposing is better than having a good bourbon, reading Kipling by a fireplace. Well, because vagina. <laughs> Don't you understand, TJ? <laughs> because vagina. And you should like that. And if you don't, you're sa- no. I oh no 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 no. That's totally what they. That's the next thing. Now the lonely old man thing doesn't work. Then they move on to the creepy guy. And um, oh, it's because you're a hermit or something. Or well, I'm just saying that that the the creepy old man is the next one. Like if you're a bachelor, you know, getting into your when you're in your 40s, it's almost like you got to just say, yeah, I've got a girlfriend somewhere, whatever. And people leave you alone. But if you say you're a bachelor, it's just so funny because women who are single at that age, well, there's no. I think that's the other thing. There's no stigma for at least not that we see. Now we don't. As uh, as people pointed out, women give each other grief, but we just don't pick up on it because it's in the form of compliments. Right. I suppose I. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I've tapped out a long time ago oh, from, well, from dating. I... When men, when men, in, when men insult each other when they don't mean it. Right? Well, that's because we care. Yeah, yeah. that's a, yeah, yeah, that's a... yeah, yeah. And so, um, but I'm just saying that there's, I think the social. St- I mean, you read about some of these um, peoples from different times where, like 25, 26 was considered to be like there was social stigma. With not like I was saying before, you had to go out of your way to avoid getting married mm. back in the day. And so, if you weren't married by 26, people would just say, "What is wrong with you?" Mm. There is none of that. You instead they get you know they're 56 and they're getting glorified magazine covers, you know about their their in vitro uh, kid who also happens to be you know allergic to everything on the planet and you know they're not going to give them vaccines because they don't want autism, <laughs> right? Now, I think at some point, though, people, you almost wonder if they're going to look at the generation that's come before them and say, this didn't, this wasn't working. It didn't work. Or it's not making people happy. And I think that that's one thing that I always, I, I, I just, there's a throwaway line. People will say, well, we want this and this and this. And, and I always say, well, is it going to make you happy? And they always, they don't ever say yes. They always just give you this weird look like I never thought about it that way. 
Yeah, and 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 again, this goes to just how much conditioning. I don't want to call it brainwashing, but um, they're not taught to think of anything else. They're certainly not taught critical thinking skills. It's kind of like, you know, here's your plan. We have this itinerary. You're going to do this starting at the age of five. And I also think parents are so, so screwed themselves. Because, um, I mean, the baby boomers were the first screwed up generation in terms of parenting. Well, they're, they're yeah. done. They're gone. Now you have Gen Xers raising kids, and now you even have some of the late millennials raising kids. You have the blind leading the blind. Um, Which, and they're so, they're so darn busy, they're not spending any time to teach their kids critical thinking. I, um, yeah, I so I, I, don't, I believe people are coming out vi- probably more programming conditioned than they ever were before to say, okay, I got to do X, Y, and Z, and this is, and then happiness comes in the end rather than stopping and simply asking, what do I want and what's going to make me happy? Right. Um, so I, I don't see that happening. I think a part of it is people also may realize that there is something wrong with, and I, I, I would theorize that this is also an explanation for so much of the drug use. And I'm not talking about heroin or cocaine. I'm talking about prescription drugs. Oh, yeah. yeah. What it is is people realize uh, that, like you and I have, that it's not you that's wrong when you realize something's wrong or you feel something's wrong. It's society. But you also – they subconsciously realize that going down that path and figuring out what the truth is and actually trying to abide by it is going to – isolate them very much from most people in their lives mm-hmm. just just because and it's too much of a cost and i've come to i don't want to say i agree with it but i am i understand why a lot of people get so terrified when you bring up stuff that's true because it means now they have they can't claim ignorance and they don't want to think about it because they don't want to end up basically being ostracized by everybody else around them because everybody else nor may i suggest they don't want to put the effort into it like when you point out hey you got it you know i don't if i had a nickel for every time i have a client but i charge 35 dollars if i had 35 dollars every time i had a client come i tell them you basically have to change your life and it's not change your life for the easier it's change your life for the harder you have to work out. You must go and study this. You must work hard. You must be frugal. And now, whereas beforehand, they were accustomed and used to, like, I'm going to have to put in X amount of effort into my yeah. life. Now they're realizing that not only do I have the risk of being ostracized and by myself and everything, as you pointed out, I have to put in four times X yeah. what I did. And, well, I don't want to do that. And well, what's funny is that I, I got to say – as I'm really, it's increasingly hard for me to be sympathetic to people who are not. I don't. I'm not saying you have to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger um, or Sylvester Stallone at any age, apparently. Mm. But at the same time, it's staying in shape is something that you can do, or at least staying in good condition is something you can do by just not doing stuff, by not eating certain mm-hmm. foods, and by um, you know, whenever I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting a little uh, heavier on the waist. I just for a couple of days, I only drink water and I don't eat uh, any carbs of any kind whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then I'm back down and I feel better. Um, and there's all these different workouts that you can do in your bedroom, um, like push-ups, or you can do around the house, and you can do it in 20 minutes. I did lots of push-ups at gas stations the day get my, <laughs> my temperature up. <laughs> Yeah, and there's just stuff that you can do where you're not gonna you're not gonna be a weightlifter, but you can at least you'll be in decent physical condition. 
Um, that doesn't require you to do hardly any kind of research. It just requires you to get up every day and do a 15 right, But that's But that's a complete – that's adding a part-time job that they don't want to do. And you, you got and, – and after 20 years of playing video games – you know, that's a big change they got for huge, them. They got huge thumbs. They got great, they got great thumbs. thumbs. The tonest thumbs ever, man. <laughs> I, I got to admit, I, every now and then when I just feel nostalgic, I'll pull out a video game. I don't I, – I, like I've always wanted at some point to go replay all of Ocarina of Time, which I grew up on as a kid. But then I'm just thinking, I, I just – I'm, I'm kind of done with video games. If mm-hmm. I'm playing like Call of Duty Nazi Zombies or whatever with my, my, with my friend um, occasionally, but – I don't quite fully understand the I'm past the age of 30 and still playing video games as a significant part-time hobby. Mm. Um, You know, I've got part-time hobbies that I'm sure people that are just not, not usual. I'd say like, but but, uh, yeah, you move on to like other stuff like shooting guns or wood, yeah, wood burning or hiking motorcycles or cars. Yeah. And now I'm trying to, uh, one of the things I'm trying to learn now is how to do, uh, home improvement stuff because I know you have a house. I have a house, but I also know very, very little. Like my uncle it built his own cabin mm. um, practically by himself, so he knows all knew all this stuff. And I got a friend who knows a lot about home improvement because he used to do that as kind of a side job. I know very, very little, and so I, I don't want to feel useless, but I also want to be able to take care of my house and have that sense of self reliance. So that motivates me to be. To be more knowledgeable and go out of my way and, and learn that kind of stuff. That's far more useful watching YouTube videos about how to um, how to uh, deal with sheetrock or how to put in a new wall or how to just paint or or put up wallpaper or, or I'm going to be putting up a, a river rock panel over my um, uh, faux uh, chimney uh, facade chimney. That is more useful and productive for me than playing. Uh, the, you know, just the latest year's version of Madden. Oh God! Like yeah. how many, how yeah. many more of these games are they gonna make? Where it's just like, well, see that that's that was one good thing about being brought up in the '90s is you got to see that first generation of like the Xbox and the double command yeah. controller, and and it was really cool. And I remember playing it. But yeah, I haven't played video games. The only thing that's recently got me back into it has been the Switch, Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Um, but that's more just to I use that as downtime. Uh, but yeah, the days of going, but yeah, like you said, it's been more about, okay, I got to, you know, I've been learning how to fix pools. I've been learning how to battle scorpions, I've been learning <laughs> how to, I mean, a lot about scorpions. Uh, but yeah, I, I find that much more intellectually rewarding and stimulating. I think any real man does after a certain age is yeah. something that is practical, not necessarily work, but some, this is the other thing is people think like, well, that's work. It's like, no, it saves you work. Like if if you don't figure yeah. out how to do this, you got to spend way more time at the office paying somebody who does know how to right. do it, which ironically frees up more time. So if I think that that's something that people don't really talk about a whole lot is how um, if you want to increase your uh, your disposable income, learn valuable skills. Mm-hmm. And I would if if I was going to list top ten skills that every man should know by eighteen, home improvement remodeling would probably be just a below cars because most of them you're going to own a car but you right. may not own a house necessarily right. but you want to know because the the cost i mean this project cost i i don't I haven't tallied up all the receipts yet but it was not cheap mm-hmm. um the fireplace was by far the most expensive but what made it affordable is the fact that my uncle knew so much about what he was doing and then we put in 
we did it all ourselves. And so, is it functional yet? Oh, the fireplace functions, yeah. Turn it on. Is it gas? Oh, no, it's not gas. It's wood. No I'm, kidding, oh, really? I'm, dude, I'm old-fashioned. Well, no, I just want to be... Oh, good. We'll get a yeah. fire going. That might be above 33 yeah, degrees yeah, in I'll this a, house. I'll get a fire going. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, if you know how to do that stuff, you don't have to pay somebody else. So if you know how to... Fit, this is what kills me about new cars. They've designed it so that... You can't work on them. You can't work on them. So back in the day, and I almost want to buy old cars now because... It'll save you thousands of dollars, even when you buy old beat-up cars. Um, because even when you buy, say, a, a 2005, 2008 car now, and it, you take it in for work, the car may be worth $2,500, but the repair job is dirt cheap. Is 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 around that. Yeah. Um, and so being able to work on your own cars, being able to, to do all that stuff, means that you are spending less money on something there. And so you don't have to work. It's kind of like how you don't have to earn so much if you don't spend so much right. and it's really not about how much money you make it's how how about much money you spend um and uh i i think that's been the real tragedy of um our gener you know generations moving past the the greatest generation because those guys that had grew up in in homes i was reading the book uh written by bill garnier and um and uh babe efron they were growing up in, in uh, South Philly back mm. in the 30s and just all the life experience that they had. Um, Babe Efron and his friends took an abandoned building and remodeled part of it and turned it into a dance hall. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, and of course, Bill Garnier's running around um, trying to sell coffee to all the, con the construction and contractor guys around right. town to save up money. His family was a dirt poor uh, Italian family. And so, but they, they knew all this stuff. So they what did they do when they came home from the war? They went and they built their own houses. Like yeah. a lot of these guys just built their own houses. And, you know, how many people nowadays know how, like, they don't even... Who even knows how to frame? Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, they don't know how to put, they don't know how to put any of this stuff in. And yeah, it's created a lot of great jobs for other people, but, you know, that's money that could be spent elsewhere. I, I get a kick. I got a buddy who just scoffs at me, almost in a condescending manner. He, he doesn't do it maliciously, but I think it's, it's just this like, you know... For per okay, let me tell you. Oh, this is a deal. I am so excited. Okay, I get excited about finding free golf balls, right? That is almost more fun to me than the golf itself. So the problem is, my buddy who lives down in Henderson, I get to crash with him as long as I fight off scorpions, keep the pool in shape, blah, blah, blah. He says, do you want me to pick me up at the airport? I'm like, you can, but let me tell you what I found. I found a bus route for three bucks. This bus will take me, uh, drop me off at the casino, Fiesta Casino, and I will, I can walk the three miles to your house. So, you know, he's like, or you could just Uber it. I'm like, what do you mean I could just, that's, that's 30 bucks. It's certainly $30 of your gas and time, but so what? He's like, well, why would you walk three miles? I'm like, so I could get some exercise, I can right. listen to my podcasts, right. whatever, I mean. And the concept of saving $30, $30 is a lot of money. Or okay, 27 But I get the walking I was going to do right. anyway. I get to hop on the thing. I'm right almost there. Bada boom, bada bing. That's like a lot of good cigars. And it the, the there's no other better word for it. The non-malicious condescension like, whoa, why don't you just Uber? Shows oh, that, you that's what drives me nuts. I have a basic phone. That it, it, I got for free as part of my cell phone plan. I just mm -hmm. got it automatically as when I when I started up, and it it doesn't have enough memory for a lot of apps, so I don't have a lot of apps on it. But I'm always talking about 
you know, stuff and people like something I'm dealing with, kind of like what you're just saying. And they go, oh, don't you know you can use Uber or you're going to use Lyft or Airbnb? And it's like, you know, I'm sure that it would save five seconds, but you, or it would, you know, whatever. I wouldn't have to walk this way. But, you know, I think I'd rather just do it the old fashioned way and not be a total. Uh, it, it's, it's just weird how everything now has to be an app. You can't just, mm-hmm. and that, I think that leads to the neurotic behavior of people um, that I actually wrote about in my the, my book, The Stringers, how people in the society, it was considered uncool or, or rude to go up and talk to somebody in person that you hadn't contacted online first, and they'd given permission for you to approach them. Right. So the character goes up to this girl that he's interested in and just says, hi, my name is, you know, so-and-so, and it's like, oh my gosh, he's, <laughs> he's crazy. What's wrong with this guy, right? And it's the same thing now. It's like, oh, you didn't contact me on an app? You know, I, I, I don't know. I, it, I don't like, I, I don't know, I'm kind of torn where I, there's the ludite in me that likes the fact that I don't have internet or cable at my house. On the other hand, I see the advantage to using some of this stuff. I just don't think people should be um, fanatical or, or uh, addicted. addicted to it to where, um, you know, I, I, I was at a club, private club a couple weeks ago and they had a policy that your cell phones could not be visible like you couldn't take calls cool. or do any stuff. So everybody had to go outside to take their calls. And I thought, and so it was totally quiet. You know, you had maybe piano music in the background. You just had conversations. This is local? This was in Seattle. Oh. It was a private club. Oh, I totally want to start um, a, if I had the money and the ability, I would totally start a cigar lounge of some kind in, in this town. That reminds me, is there, do you have any good cigars? Because I would kill little children for a good cigar right about now. <laughs> Innocent little children, not the mean ones that like make noise oh, we, at we restaurants. Can, we can... Well-behaved, innocent, church-going children murder <laughs> a lot of them just for a good cigar. You don't uh, have we, one. We we can get some that okay. are not far away. All right. <laughs> All right, I gotta hop in the shower and warm up. Otherwise, I'm gonna freeze to death. Why don't we call it a night here? All right, good. All right, see you around, folks. See ya.